Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. It is not a rainy day. It is a happy day in Minnesota as the NFL draft has concluded. And the Minnesota Vikings, well, we can finally say they've shored up the offensive line, at least to a point. As here we are to review the 2019 NFL Draft, at least from the Vikings' perspective, and maybe a couple of little conversations here and there with the NFC North with some interesting acquisitions, we can definitely say, with certain teams in the NFC North, particularly the Detroit Lions, adding the well-coveted, beloved TJ Hawkinson out of <clears throat> Iowa. So there, there it is. Detroit added TJ Hawkinson. That's going to be extremely interesting to see how their offense uh, continues to evolve under head coach Mr. Patricia there. So we'll just have to wait and see with that. Minnesota Vikings add a ton of players. They trade down four times in the third round to make things strange. But a certain player that I kind of sort of begged for, particularly at the end of the last show, the draft preview, ended up winding up with the Minnesota Vikings at the 18th pick, and that was center Garrett Bradbury. Am I happy today? that the Minnesota Vikings acquired Garrett Bradbury on Thursday night. Yes, very happy. Extremely happy. This move alone adds depth to the center position. As you remember last year, you had a guy named Edison in there. I mean, all due respect to him. Hopefully he remains on the team, Cornelius Edison. All due respect to him and all that. You even have Brett Jones also for depth. Hopefully they make the team. Hopefully... They have nice, long, successful NFL careers with Minnesota or somewhere else, depending on how things go. But you're safer now. You feel safer at the center position. And you also add a guy who is just unbelievable. Uh, Best center in the draft, without a doubt. I remember my jaw just hitting the floor when I saw him. I was like thinking, okay, you know, I mean, it's an interesting idea. You draft him, you can potentially move Pat Elfline to left guard, or maybe Bradbury's the left guard. Who knows what happens? But generally speaking... You know, have at least two guys who could play center at a very high level. Pat Offline did have a disappointing year last year, oft injured. Riley Reef also had a disappointing year last year, oft injured. Um, <laughs> Nick Easton, oft injured as well, off and on. And of course, that injury that took place against the Carolina Panthers in 2017 was very much a uh, domino effect for the rest of the season. The offensive line play dropped and dropped and dropped. And the next thing you know, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line was crushing the Minnesota Vikings and forcing Case Keenum into interceptions that ended up leading to what it did, a blowout loss in Philadelphia. Raining and depressing in Philadelphia. Um, Yeah, well, whatever. We can put that behind us. The Vikings offensive line potentially has improved greatly, especially with a couple other picks along the way. Like the pick in the fourth round, Drew Samaya. We'll talk about him, of course, along the way here. But Garrett Bradbury definitely shores up this offensive line in a huge way. Outstanding in run protection. Obviously, pass protection is what it is. You're going to need it. I mean, centers provide general protection in the interior. And, of course, they captain the offensive line. Garrett Bradbury, very intelligent. Of course, extremely high football IQ out of North Carolina State. For those of you that may not know which college he's from. Maybe you're new to this show after not listening to it last week or something, or last week, last couple weeks ago, about three weeks already. Um, And, well, just very high football IQ. uh, 24 years of age already, which is unusual. One of the older players in the draft, believe it or not. Not like he's that old, but of course, just, you know, just just a hair older than some of the other guys out there. 
but a plug and play. He's a starting center, a starting guard, whatever you want to call him, a starting interior lineman joining the Minnesota Vikings. Generally, he more than likely will be the center. Uh, Pat Elfline looked on as a very good center, but also could play guard with from Ohio State, coming into his third year and hopefully a much better junior year than it was a sophomore year. Sophomore slump and junior jump, as I like to call it, after those sophomore slumps, so to speak. But uh, yes, definitely uh, there will be more run protection, which helps things out for a couple running backs on the roster. Of course, we got Minnesota Vikings adding a running back at the end of the third round. Very interesting, controversial way, you could say, where I wound up going that direction. Controversial in a way of like, hmm, well, you keep doing this. What are you, David Kahn trading down and stuff? I don't know. But it is what it is. Minnesota Vikings had a tight end, Irv Smith, as well in the second round. That felt pretty good for a lot of people. It's like you want to just say offensive line in every single position, but eventually it's like, yeah, you got to take other positions. You can't go crazy, and of course, eventually you're going to get like two or three busts out of it if you keep taking offensive line at every single spot. Not all of them are going to end up being productive NFL players. Garrett Bradbury, to me, will, though. You've shored up that center position for the next 10-plus years. Pray to God in heaven that he stays healthy. Pray to God in heaven that Pat Elfline stays healthy, but you can tell I'm awfully excited about the addition of Garrett Bradbury to the Minnesota Vikings. It's a no-brainer. It really is. Um, the way that first round shaped up, though, quite fascinating, as obviously that's pretty much the highlight of every draft is the first round. Of course, Kyler Murray going number one overall. That was a real big surprise, right? Not too much. Um, but then other players kept dropping, and teams kept taking skill guys and other positions here and there. And it made things quite interesting, of course. Kyler Murray, number one, to Arizona. Nick Bosa, number two, to San Francisco. Quinn and Williams to the Jets, number three. Cleland Farrell, which had a lot of people thinking, hmm, I don't know. I mean, the Oakland Raiders came out of the draft looking weird, but you never know. Hopefully it works out for them. Devin White, the top linebacker, goes to Tampa. So Tampa's defense hopefully will improve. New York Giants go a little weird here with uh, Daniel Jones out of Duke. Duke? Duke? This isn't basketball. This isn't... uh, what the heck? Is... <laughs> this isn't Zion Williamson. This is Devin. Uh, this is Daniel Jones. Z- Zion Williamson going number one overall or something or in the top whatever. Well, you'd think number one overall in the NBA draft. No, it's Daniel Jones from Duke, but good luck to them. That could still be an interesting move. Unfortunately for them, they had multiple opportunities to take a uh, <laughs> spectacular right tackle in Jawan Williams, but that never took place. I kept thinking Jordan Williams was going to go to Jacksonville or New York Giants, one of those two, or Buffalo. He did go to one of the three. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, but no, a strange pick for the Giants, but he's their quarterback of the future, if you like it or not, for the New York Giants. Only the second quarterback taken in the draft over some other players that probably could have been better. Josh Allen, number seven to the Jacksonville Jaguars. TJ Hawkinson to Detroit, which, of course, makes things extremely interesting. Uh, Detroit Lions, I think, got better right away with that one. Good blocker, good player, uh, all that good stuff. And I was remember I had a discussion with Brent Jacobson not too long before the draft preview show about TJ Hawkinson, how he took him in those little sim drafts we like to do. That That's fun. That's fun. That, that kind of came up the last year or so. Real cool stuff where the draft just kind of simulates and then all these guys are available at the 18th pick and then, oh, crap. You know, and I picked Jawan Williamson right away. Jawan Williams. Uh, Jawan Taylor right away. I'm going crazy here. Um, I'm looking at Jonah Williams. That's why. Uh, and I took him right away, but then it's like, wait a minute, there's also Garrett Bradbury too, so you got to make up your mind with that, the versatility, and are you, you want to help the interior, do you want to be set at tackle forever? That's where some people are a teeny bit frustrated with the Bradbury pick, as good as he is, because there were tackles available, including 
Juwan Taylor. Yeah, but uh, Ed Oliver, gone at the ninth pick. Not surprising, does go in the 10th, uh, top 10. Devin Bush also goes in the top 10. As the Pittsburgh Steelers trade up to take him, I would have loved Devin Bush. Yes, would have been a little out-of-the-box move for Minnesota, considering you want that offensive line short up so badly, but Devin Bush would have made things quite interesting. Luckily, Minnesota did get a linebacker along the way. Jonah Williams ultimately goes 11th to Cincinnati, which I thought was a bit of a reach, as good as he is. It's a tiny bit of a reach, because I don't know, I mean, uh, but it is what it is. Cincinnati never wins playoff games. Jonah Williams is great, and then here comes the BCS championship game, and he didn't do so well, so I guess he'll fit right in in Cincinnati. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Rashawn Gary goes to the (laughs) <laughs> goes to their arch rivals to the east, the Green Bay Packers. Christian Wilkins, Miami, winds up getting Christian Wilkins with the 13th pick. They do not take a quarterback, but they do wind up with Josh Rosen for a second rounder and a conditional fifth rounder. So not a bad trade for Miami. They have a chance to get things going. They had Tannehill, but he's off injured, oft injured, oft injured. But Rosen, Josh Rosen can develop the next year or two under uh, Tannehill. And there's your quarterback of the future for Miami. I mean, they've been looking for a long-term solution at the quarterback position since Dan Marino retired after 1999. And, uh, boy, and gosh, Marino was past his prime, basically, the minute Jimmy Johnson got there. It was kind of sad. Christopher Chris Lidstrom winds up going 14th overall to the Atlanta Falcons. Again, a reach, I think. I think that's a reach, as good as he is. I do think it's a little bit of a reach. Very valuable run-stopping guard from Boston College, Boston College as we like to call it, but a very interesting move by the Atlanta Falcons. Well, hey, you know, they liked him, they took him, and there it is. A lot of people wanted him on the Vikings, but, well, Garrett Bradbury and Joan Taylor still available. (laughs) I mean, I was running around like a crazy person. I don't know if any of you have ever played Final Fantasy VI, some of you out there. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe Justin Mayer Henry knows a little bit about that. A, a definitely a gamer of all levels, a uh, retro gamer, modern gamer, whatever. I'm a retro gamer only, pretty much. I'll play modern once in a blue moon. I'm just a retro gamer, man. Give me the Atari, give me the Super Nintendo, give me the Nintendo, and I'm good to go. Sega Genesis, Master System. Got the uh, NES Classic and the uh, Super NES Classic with some extra games on them, including the NES with some Sega and all that on there, too. Kind of cool playing with a NES controller, playing some Sega Master System games. But with that said, I was running around like Kefka was when all the Espers were flying around, and he was so excited because of the opportunities he had to build a ton of power. He was like the villain of the game and all that. But uh, I was getting that way when I noticed how Garrett Bradbury and uh, Joan Taylor, oh my God, were both available still after 14 picks. Dwayne Haskins winds up going to the Washington Redskins as we can still say their name here on this show at least. Certain stations, they don't say it too much. Dwayne Haskins goes to the Washington Redskins. going to be an interesting move there. And, of course, they needed a quarterback. And God bless Alex Smith. They have a lot of money tied up with him, but literally a Joe Theismann type of injury there for him. And Case Keenum is not a long-term solution. But uh, he did play pretty well there last time he played in Washington for the Minnesota Vikings. Very, very well-played game, though a couple of interceptions made us... uh, hoping Teddy Bridgewater would be able to come back at some point that year. Uh, Well, you thought Cody Ford's off to Carolina. Nope, it's Brian Burns. He was still available as well, an edge rusher. A lot of people liked him, wouldn't have minded him coming to Minnesota, even though we're kind of set at defensive edge, defensive end, but uh, are we though? Yeah, I mean, Everson Griffin is what he is. He could be a cut candidate. I think he's in his final year with the Vikings at the end of the day. Dexter Lawrence, 
guy obviously up defensive tackle very good player off to the new york giants that's a place who's been very well known for defensive line over the years minnesota as well for decades going back to the rural people eaters except in the late 90s when we could have used it randall was getting to be past his prime and we had zero edge rushers whatsoever on the 98 vikings i mean <laughs> i mean how many of you know who the heck colin stalinay is anyway who the heck was that guy you know he was just a nobody let's continue but no, Dexter Lawrence goes, Garrett Bradbury, Jawan Taylor, who's it going to be? Garrett Bradbury. Well, that's who they took. Minnesota Vikings took Garrett Bradbury, and then things kind of continue down from there. We also pass on Andre Dillard. Titus Howard was a guy who was brought up on multiple shows. You thought he might get into the second round. The Vikings could make a move. Houston scooped him up at 23. Dillard went 22nd overall to the <clears throat> Philadelphia Eagles. Yikes. Yep, so there you go. A team that already had a pretty good offensive line just got better with Andre Dillard. and uh, That's the one people are debating with. Not so much Jawan Taylor, believe it or not, as much as I was obsessed with the guy. You take Jawan Taylor, move Brian O'Neill over to uh, left tackle, because that's where he played for Pittsburgh in college. He, he was the left tackle for Pittsburgh, so it's not you know it's not the biggest problem ever. The one thing, well, there's two things why Jawan Taylor fell. He is a right tackle, and that's it. He's not versatile. So that's apparently one of the problems with uh, Juwan Taylor. You put him at left tackle, you're pretty much dead meat. Not quite T.J. Clemens level, but it wouldn't work out as well as you would hope. Right tackle, I think he's an all-pro for the next 15 years, if, if, if you're lucky there. Um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how, he, how his career turns out in Jacksonville. Early second-round pick, believe it or not. Got through the first round when I thought he was a top-ten talent. Um, but no, slipped down there. A lot of people, though, again... We're hoping that the Minnesota Vikings would actually wind up with Andre Dillard there. He could be your left tackle. You take your chances with Riley Reef at guard. I'm kind of skeptical on that, but it is what it is. Andre Dillard, though, yes, I do think he is a legitimate uh, left tackle for many, many years as well. So I don't disagree with that part. It's just the Riley Reef part at guard. I, I don't know. I mean, Mike Remmers at right guard. Anyone? Show of hands that we thought uh, Mike Remmers played well at guard when he should have been a tackle. Show of hands. Well, I thought he was good. No, I didn't either. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Um, so that would be the one thing. I, I, you're not showing up. You're not shoring up the uh, left guard position by moving Riley Reef there. I think that could have been a problem. So I mean, you take your chances with Riley Reef being healthy, playing his natural position of left tackle, and the interior line should be good, especially again with that fourth round pick as well, which is a very nice one, I think also known as a potential starter. But yeah, Titus Howard went right away to Houston. Josh Jacobs winds up with the Oaktown Raiders, soon to be the Vegas Raiders, the Vegas Golden Raiders. <laughs> no, the Silver Raiders. Uh, Darnell Savage, though, safety going to the Green Bay Packers. So again, they're kind of shoring up their defense a bit there, as well as their defense has stunk for a, quite a while now. And they're definitely making multiple moves to help that out. Defensive end Rashawn Gary at 12th. And Mr. <clears throat> Darnold Savage to be the safety of the future for the Green Bay Packers, so that's going to be very interesting. I think the Washington Redskins came out pretty good, though, with these picks. Again, you come out with uh, <clears throat> Mr. Hoskins as quarterback, and now Montez Sweat. There's potential heart issues, but we don't know. I mean, it's one of those things, cellular wall type of thing, but I don't know. Montez Sweat probably should have went real early, like as high as Detroit's pick, that type of thing. That's how good he is uh, out of Mississippi State. He winds up with the Washington Redskins. We'll see what happens there. Oakland Raiders, again, making some weird moves. But Jonathan Abram appears to be the, one of the good ones, believe it or not. Uh, Jerry Tillery to 
Los Angeles Chargers. I'm still not used to that one. LJ Collier to the Seattle Seahawks 29th. And there were multiple trades here and there, which wound up finally Seattle getting that guy. DeAndre Baker to the Giants. There were even more trades there. Cornerback uh, Caleb McCary to Washington. So they're, excuse me, from Washington to Atlanta. So, wow, Atlanta really not messing around with that old line They got a guard and Lidstrom and Caleb McCary at tackle. And Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry out of Arizona State, wide receiver to the New England Patriots, which is not a surprise move either because they needed a wide receiver desperately. Again, Jawan Taylor would have, would have probably helped a team that could have used a little help in offensive line, even though they filled that position very, very nicely last year with some uh, O-line de jure players there. Interesting, interesting, <laughs> interesting decision there. But again, uh, apparently he, he matches all the type of uh, needs that the New England Patriots have regarding coming to meetings, this and that. So they're happy with that move. Again, Jawan Taylor winds up going third in the second round to the Jacksonville Jaguars, so he stays in the state of Florida. Cody Ford winds up going to the Buffalo Bills. Greg Little, a lot of people probably thought Cody Ford would go significantly ahead of Greg Little, but he actually goes a pick ahead tackle out of Mississippi to the Carolina Panthers. Fifth overall in the second round. Dalton Reisner, and a lot of people were hoping maybe just a miracle he slips all the way down to 50. Not going to happen. Drew Locke winds up being the quarterback of the future for Denver, so good luck there. They, from there they've they been looking for a new quarterback since John Elway retired. Greedy Williams, a lot of people loved him. Vince Germano, Cleveland Browns. Greedy Williams to the Cleveland Browns. So again, another nice-looking draft, at least with that move right there for the Cleveland Browns. Good, good one there. Exciting, and of course, again, they were able... I don't even want to talk about him. That goofy guy from the New York Giants, the wide receiver. Yeah, that guy. I don't even want to talk about him. But they they got him, and hopefully he settles down a little bit there. But the fifth pick, excuse me, 50th pick overall, 18th pick in the second round is Irv Smith, tight end out of Alabama to the Minnesota Vikings. A lot of people pretty excited about this guy. Definitely an athlete to a point, but again... There's some interesting analytics on him. And this is where we get a little more analytical, per se, with some of these picks. Interesting analytics that he just kind of was a slightly below with the vertical jump, slightly below with the broad jump, slightly below the average for good tight ends in the NFL. So, you know, the successful ones here and there. So it was like a hair. We're talking like a half of an inch. So it's not too bad, but it's interesting. It does warrant some kind of conversation because there's this little fine line between tight ends that go on to be successful and tight ends that don't. So that's the one scary part. You do watch him from Alabama. Um, he wasn't targeted as much as you would hope. That's the other conversation. So there was a little bit of negative analytics on this guy, as good as he potentially could be. The blocking capability is there, better than uh, the, the guy that the Green Bay Packers wound up with uh, as a tight end a little bit later in the draft. So that's the hope there. Um, Irv Smith, the athleticism is there. The capability is there. Uh, he makes plays. He catches the ball, which is, well, that's that's number one. And he does block. He's capable of it. He's not a spectacular blocker. He is more of a receiving tight end than a blocking tight end. Um, but this also shows that Kyle Rudolph could be on his way out in the very not-too-distant future. Wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys were on the roster starting off the season. Would not be surprised at all because nothing happened. And if he was going to go to a team, it would have probably been during the draft and probably New England Patriots. Maybe Minnesota could have taken Jawan Taylor 
with that 32nd pick. Who knows? Maybe Juwan Taylor could have been on the Vikings, or Dalton Reisner, or Greedy Williams, or, because, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't think anybody would have complained with a Greedy Williams acquisition at cornerback, because the Vikings didn't take a cornerback until, like, near the end of the draft. Greg Little, Cody Ford, it could have been any of them, because the right guard position with Josh Klein still kind of up in the air. He's a Band-Aid, if anything. God bless him. He might end up still being good, but probably not for very long. So that's, the, again, the ongoing question there. But, you know, 700 yards, you know, good, solid, tight end. But there was much more of a passing game in Alabama in this day and age. 4,000 yards passing plus for Alabama, and Irv Smith wound up with 700 yards. That's not the worst thing you ever saw. But still, a guy that probably could have gotten targeted more, uh, this and that. So it does make you wonder a little bit. I do think he will be a successful tight end. But, again, a couple of little teeny teeny tiny little red flags and I will cite uh, this analytic conversation from the athletic with uh, and that would be Arif son of the athletic so that's kind of where that conversation comes in again interesting analytics lots and lots and lots of back and forth where he just you know he missed a little teeny bit in that in the combine with some of those numbers so it's interesting um, only 14.6% of his team's receiving yards. So again, that's where people are like, hmm, that's kind of weird. Um, Josh Oliver, Noah Fant, Jace Sternberger, that's the one who went to Green Bay. So interesting conversation there with that. We'll see. I mean, I don't want to don't wanna rain on everyone's parade here with the Irv Smith move. It's interesting. It's exciting. But again, you know, proceed with caution a teeny tiny bit. There's a little, little bit of yellow flags. We won't say red flags, but yellow flags. Coming in. Proceed with caution. Now the Minnesota Vikings. Talking about proceeding with caution into the third round. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. Okay. We're the 18th pick and we move down. And we're what? 21st. And we move down. And we're like, we just continue to drop and drop and drop and drop and drop until we wind up at the bottom. We go from 18 ultimately to 39 after four bleeping trades in the third round. I've never seen anything like it. I, I, I Honest to God, I haven't seen anything like it. Um, Will Harris, who could have been your safety, who knows? He goes to Detroit, of all teams. I don't know why you're trading in the division like that. Nate Davis, who could have been an additional guard. Justin Lane, who could have been your cornerback. Cornerback. Um, Kalen Sanders, 21st to Kansas City. Could have been uh, a little help in the in the interior line, defensive line. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, that's the interesting part. Cody Barden could have been a linebacker. Bobby... Okereke could have been a linebacker out of Stanford. Connor McGovern, a guy you heard about quite a bit, a guard. There's a guard who wound up going to frickin' Dallas. That could have been a pick there, too, at 18. Or one of the other picks going down a couple picks. Could have wound up with any of those guys. Uh, Chuma Adoga out of USC. Tackle out of USC. There could have been moves. Jamal Dean. Jamel Dean, cornerback. He could have been the pick. Bobby Evans and tackle out of Oklahoma. I mean, it's a lot of second guessing. Yes, I, I get it. Will Greer, if you liked him oh so much, which I kind of did, ends up going to the Carolina Panthers. So, eh, great. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he's going to definitely not play for a little while with uh, Cam Newton being what he is. Obviously, still a big name, still pretty young guy. Not that young anymore, but still fairly young. Minnesota winds up with Alexander Madison, which, okay, again, the final pick. Of the third round, 102nd overall. Boise State, so you got that interesting blue turf. That interesting blue turf in Boise State. Those kind of kind of cool uniforms, they're, they're all right. 
All right, the Broncos. They're called the Broncos, kind of like the Denver Broncos, right? Which, again, I do believe that uh, Gerald Strings coming out of that draft. Obviously, he's a Viking fan first, Denver Broncos fan second. I'm a Viking fan first, New England Patriots fan second, that type of thing. As you like to go to the other conference and have a team in the AFC sometimes, too. Particularly during the playoffs and all that. Um, when it's, because it's no fun when your team doesn't make it. It's like to enjoy, it's fun to more enjoy the playoffs if you have a good team on the other side, maybe. Yeah, that type of thing. But uh, Alexander Madison ends up coming to Minnesota. He sounded awfully excited, very emotional in the little conversation with Mr. Uh, Rick Spielman when he was called up, saying, we're going to take you. He was very excited, kind of almost almost crying. You, you could hear it. You didn't see his face. You did see Irv Smith. He was pretty excited. He's like, Minnesota, <laughs> I'm ready, baby, basically. <laughs> that was Irv Smith. But no, Alexander Madison, you could definitely hear the emotion. He's like, okay, coach, thank you, coach. You know, he's really excited, emotional. He probably wasn't expected to go this high. And again, that's probably why the Vikings kept trading down. This is who they were going to take. Like it or not, this is who they were going to take in the third round. And they figured, let's amass some uh, sixth-round picks, some seventh-round picks. You got a fifth-round pick added in, finally, eventually. Down the line there, you finally got a fifth-round pick added, which we didn't have. So that's where things got interesting there. Alexander Madison, though, does bring in strength. 17 touchdowns, 1,400-plus yards for Boise State. It's a strength. There is no breakneck speed with Alexander Madison. In fact, most of the times he was, quote-unquote, loose, as Paul Allen might say, he would eventually get tackled. So you never had that home run speed. You never saw him break away. But the good news about Alexander Madison is that he brings the ball forward. And the Vikings lost Latavius Murray. You needed that third down type of back, that powerful back. Was Amir Abdullah going to bring that? Possibly. He still might. You, you never know. I mean, you don't know how Alexander Madison's going to do in his rookie year. Rookie year. Don't forget what that is. And you don't know if someone's going to get hurt. You just don't know. What if Dalvin Cook gets hurt again? Well, well, <laughs> good. you know, it is what it is. You know, I mean, we've been through it too much. We've been through it way too much. Uh, Mike Boone, definitely capable of being powerful and capable of receiving. Alexander Madison, very, very capable of being a receiving back. Alexander Madison does bring a bit of that Latavius Murray ability, where he can catch, he can block, and he's got a lot of strength. Short yardage situations, goal line, Alexander Madison is that guy. He can get into the end zone, and remember, 17 touchdowns for Boise State. So a more than capable guy who could be a starting running back in the NFL, but at this point projects to be a backup running back in the National Football League, which is fine. I mean, it's the end of the third round, and you got Delvin Cook. You know, you're not looking for a crapshoot here. You're, you're hoping for the best, obviously, at all times. But uh, the guy can play, I believe. I believe he can play uh, in this league. He certainly got the, the strength and the toughness to get those crucial short yard plays that... Well, that are needed very often <laughs> at a very regular basis in the NFL. So that's a huge thing, obviously. That's just kind of how that goes. And I don't think anybody's complaining with the acquisition here. I, I can't imagine that you really would at the end of the day. But then again, locally on some of the local stations, people are not too happy. They thought they could, they could have waited a little longer on this guy. That's the one thing. But I don't know. The the number one complaint for me is, again, you could have taken those tackles. You could have taken one of the guards, one of the tackles. You could have taken one of the defensive linemen. As Minnesota did not shore up any defensive line position whatsoever. Maybe linebacker. We'll see how the uh, linebacker turns out. 
in the fifth round. We'll see what happens with that one. But I'm not that upset about this move. I'm not jumping for joy either, necessarily. It's cool that we took a running back and, you know, a, a needed role, we'll say, which was uncertain coming in. Rock Thomas is in trouble, and he didn't really do a whole lot. He was, he looked great in the preseason at the beginning of it, but really Mike Boone, I thought, won the job between those two. Somehow Rock Thomas still found uh, found up his <laughs> spot on the roster. I don't even know how at the end of the day. I thought Mike Boone outplayed him big time after that uh, little breakout game that Rock Thomas had. More Maybe more of a flash-in-the-pan type of situation for Rock. But, well, Alexander Madison, I mean, that's a guy who's going to get carries this year. And he might end up with a ton of carries, depending on the health of Delvin Cook or whoever else. Amir Abdullah, still special teams guy, still might end up getting some action out there. I mean, there's a lot of teams that play three running backs regularly. Uh, obviously, the third guy is not going to get as many as certain other players as the previous two, but he'll get some plays. We'll see what happens. We'll see who ends up being the third running back. I do think Madison's going to be number two. He might end up being number three at the very beginning, depending on how things go with Mike Boone and or Amir Abdullah, or even Rock Thomas, depending on his situation. Again, it's a little bit tougher with Rock Thomas right now, and that's unfortunate for him. Um, But I'm not mad about the move. I think it's kind of cool. You shore up that position, and we're done there for the time being, I would have to say. Don't see us taking a running back in next year's draft at any point in time, unless uh, something really crazy happens, and let's not try to think about that. We've been through a lot of hell here with the players getting injured. So you head on to the fourth round. You move forward and all that. You wind up getting a guard that I think a lot of people are fairly pleased with at this stage. Drew Samaya out of Oklahoma. Again, he's a guard. Apparently, he played right guard for Oklahoma. He does project to be a possible NFL starter, so that's good. He would obviously not be a starter right out of the gate. You got Josh Klein, this and that. But again, Josh Klein's the right guard, and Drew Samaya, well, here we go. Might end up being the right guard of the future for the Minnesota Vikings. Good. Uh, he looked very solid. Again, more of a run stopper because that's usually what the interior line is. But again, he does have a chance to become an NFL starter, and that's good. A lot of people love this move. He's actually six foot five, so pretty tall for a guard, which is good. Three hundred and five pounds, longer arms, three hundred thirty-three inches, uh, twenty-eight bench press. That's always good. Twenty-seven and a half vertical jump. That's good. Pretty athletic guy, obviously. So that's the good news. Um, Got the speed, got the quickness, which can definitely help in the run stopping. But what's also good when you look at some of what he was able to do for the Oklahoma Sooners is he'll he'll end up moving from one guy to another depending on the situation, and he is very quick about doing that. That's the good part. He goes from one player to another to stop and pass protect as well as run block. So definitely capable of doing both, protecting the quarterback in crucial situations there when it looked like there could have been a rush and ultimately a hurry or a sack. But uh, Drew Samaya, very, very solid uh, guard coming into the draft in the fourth round at the end of the day for the Minnesota Vikings. Twelfth pick in the fourth round. Minnesota a little bit higher in the fourth round, winding up with this guy, which a lot of people are feeling good about. We actually traded up a bit to get him in the fourth round. And not, I don't think a soul is complaining about this, this move. Uh, it's funny how when you come out of this draft and you think about all the offensive linemen we have, you know, and this and that. He was only the first, he was only the second offensive lineman taken in this draft. The first since, of course, Garrett Gradbury. So that's where you come out kind of feeling funny about that. Does project very, very well, though. Very athletic. Uh, that's the cool part. Again, six foot five, fairly tall guy coming in. He, he projects higher 
than he was taken, which is also very good. That's the other good part when you sit down and think about it, as does Cameron Smith. A lot of people are really happy about this move as well. Could be an interesting situation. Some people think the Vikings' depth was pretty good at linebacker. I mean, and, and it's okay. I mean, you got Ben Gideon and, again, of course, Anthony Barr and, you know, Eric Kendricks and all that. But the Cameron Smith edition out of USC, well, I almost thought Drew Smith, uh, Drew Samaya was USC, but it's Cameron Smith, <laughs> Drew Smith. Um, Cameron Smith, though, continued to get better and better during the, his little collegiate career. Missed a couple games, unfortunately, in 2018. That's the one thing. Wound up with only nine games instead of the 14 he played as a junior. As a junior, the guy got a half sack. So ultimately, only three and a half sacks during the course of his career. More of a run-stopping linebacker. He, that's basically what he is. He's, he, he's a run-stopping linebacker. He's not really a pass rusher. And that's fine. I mean, well, I mean... Anthony Barr needs to be the pass-rushing guy. Sure, he can stop runs here and there, too, but uh, I'd love to see him attacking that quarterback as much as possible. Uh, Cameron Smith, a lot of people do believe he might end up taking over for Ben Gideon. Where Gideon could still be here, obviously special teams and a reserve role, and you know how players get banged up all during the course of the season, but Cameron Smith does look like uh, a guy who could be here for many years as a pretty solid linebacker. He also could project to be an NFL starter. You just... He's another one of those guys you never know. I mean, he's definitely got some value. Start off as a backup, of course, and we'll see what happens during the course of the season, starting off with the preseason, of course. He does project to be a guy that has a chance to be an NFL starter, so that's very, very good. And again, you can't really complain about the move. He's definitely got the ability. I played for a school that, well, is well-established, of course. USC Trojans, we all know about them, this and that. They're not necessarily winning national championships right now, but still pretty solid. Broad jump of 123 inches, that's always nice. Vertical jump of 39 inches. Is that real? Man, that's unbelievable. Uh, he was a cap- he was one of the captains of the defense also for USC. I mean, I suppose you'd expect that. He was a senior and one of the best players on the team. If you're going to get drafted in the NFL, you're obviously one of the best players on the team, so that's... A- common sense type of thing, but a 39-inch vertical jump. Holy Toledo. I'd like to see him deflect a couple of passes sometimes. Some of those some of those <laughs> slant plays and such knocks the ball away. Maybe even gets an interception. Wouldn't that be cool? Uh, Freaking athletic. That's always good. He only had one forced fumble during his collegiate career. That was during his sophomore year, so that's something to think about. Three interceptions as a freshman. Actually returned one of them for a touchdown, but the f- pass deflections are there. He had four as a senior, three as a sophomore, four as a uh, I'm uh, as a sophomore, three as a junior, four as a sophomore, and three as a freshman. So 14 total during the course of his uh, collegiate career. Three fumble recoveries, which is also good. And uh, he did also get an interception in his junior year. But again, missed about five games as a senior last season with USC, unfortunately. So it, it is what it is. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He generally did during his collegiate career. Junior year was a bit sexier numbers, you could say, but still came out looking pretty good, looking like a pretty damn good player. And, well, there you go. You might have a starting uh, interior linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings uh, when all is said and done when you talk about Cameron Smith. Things get a bit hazy after that, and, of course, they usually do as you get further and further and further into the draft. It just kind of is what it is. I mean, crap shoots here and there. You're hoping for the best, though there are a couple of intriguing ones down the line. Chris Boyd. Nope, looking too far ahead here. Uh, 
Armand Watts, defensive tackle out of Arkansas. Well, I know it's just you're going to have to wait and see, hope for the best there. Marcus Epps, kind of way off the board there. Vikings end up trading uh, one of those trades, acquisitions. The Vikings wound up with three six-round picks. They had four at one point. They used it to move up to actually take uh, uh, Drew Samaya in the fourth round and another move down in the fifth. But that's kind of how it goes, is you kind of move up, move down, this and that, and make acquisitions as well. Marcus Epps, though, again, way off the board. Not a whole lot is known about Marcus Epps out of Wyoming, admittedly, from the Wyoming Cowboys. The one that's interesting, though, oh, complicated name, <laughs> Udo Alessemeka. I think I maybe came close there. Definitely an African name, and that's totally fine, of course. <laughs> Six-round pick, and he's an intriguing one because this guy is a freak athlete, folks. This guy's a freak athlete, six foot five, three twenty-three. He's way above his projection. Uh, he's projected well above where he was taken. Um, NFL backs, backup, special teams potential. He's a tackle again, taken out of Elon. Taken out of Elon. Okay, Elon. Elon. Pardon me. Um, so we'll see what happens with this one. But a very intriguing player again. Vertical jump of almost thirty inches, twenty-eight point five. Very fast stuff uh, as well for a defensive ta- uh, for an offensive tackle. So this guy's an interesting one. Um, projects definitely higher than where he was taken. And of course, at bare minimum, he's at least a backup tackle if things get crazy. And of course, I mean, the Vikings have other players like this. You have Rashad Hill and such. But this guy might end up being better than Rashad Hill at the end of the day. We'll have to wait and see how this ends up turning out. But uh, very long arms. That definitely helps as well. 35 and a half inches. That's pretty good. Um, 10 inch hands, this and that. But uh, an interesting pick nonetheless. He projected significantly higher analytically when you sit down and analyze uh, this young guy. So hoping, hoping for something here. Could definitely be an intriguing pick at the end of the day. And again, as you continue to look at the analytics on the guy, three cone and short shuttle drills, you know, he did extremely well on those, which is good. Um, he was about a half second faster than it was expected. He was It was the best mark by any tackle in the draft, which is incredible when you look at that uh, three cone drill. The 20-yard split, yeah, he did super well on that. Uh, spectacular out there. So he's a definitely an interesting, interesting acquisition. The only thing that he wasn't spectacular on was the broad jump, but still, we'll see what happens. Uh, he was further than typical broad jump for the player his size. So again, other interesting analytics regarding him. So he's certainly more athletic than guys usually his size, uh, and he was number one in, in the three cone of any tackle in the draft. So pretty cool when you think, think about that. Definitely got the quick feet and such. So who knows? Maybe he does have a chance to be something at the end of the day. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, hoping for something pretty special here with this guy. And you just never know. A lot of times, it's just a whole lot of nothing. But, hey, it's at least worth a look. Sixth pick, sixth-round pick, 21st, the last of the three sixth-round picks, 193rd overall. Marcus Epps, safety. Again, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Chris Boyd coming in out of Texas. He'll be an interesting addition, I guess. But... Again, you get four seventh-round picks again. Chris Boyd, cornerback out of Texas. Dylan Mitchell, wide receiver out of Oregon. 
Olabisi Johnson out of Colorado State, wide receiver as well, and the fun little one here, the Mr. Irrelevant, so to speak, in terms of the Minnesota Vikings, 250th overall, long snapper out of Air Force, and it's been a few years since a player was taken out of Air Force, but Austin Cunning, long snapper, so he'll compete for that position with the uh, 250th pick, four picks away from the official NFL drafts, Mr. Irrelevant, so cool. Let's have to wait and see a long snapper drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. It's kind of fun and it's super late and it's interesting. Might as well give him a chance and see what happens, I guess. You can, you know, if you have a good long snapper, you know, you're going to make your kicks. That's nice. I mean, you, you can't kick a ball that's on the ground or snap too high, that, this and that. So if you have a good long snapper, you got a chance to, well, execute on your kicks. Then it's on the kicker actually making them. This and that. Uh, hopefully without the coach uh, breathing down his neck the whole damn season like last year for poor uh, Daniel Carlson. At least the whole preseason. That didn't help him. And I don't think, uh, I don't know. I mean, it was just a disappointing year as usual for Minnesota Viking kickers last season. Oh, God, very disappointing. So hopefully with a different special teams coach, uh, different attitude, this and that, we can have a different situation there. And maybe Austin Cutting is the guy that can really cut it, <laughs> pun intended, uh, for Minnesota long-term at the long snapper position, and if not, he's going to be cutting as well. So, um, yeah, so I, I had to say something weird there, but hopefully he comes out of it feeling good, and it's an underrated position. We all love long snappers. They have a very, very, very important job. Yes, it's one job, but it's extremely important, and you can't argue with that. Armand Watts, again, defensive tackle. Out of Arkansas with the 190th pick. Minnesota had picks about, they had three picks in, in four spots. So pretty cool there, back to back. And then one after another there in the sixth round. And then you wait for that doggone seventh round, which is whew, so far down. <sighs> well, do you come out of the draft feeling good? I guess so. I mean, you got your third down running back. You got, hopefully, the tight end of the future. You got a center that can be here forever. Drew Samaya, I think he's the next left guard for Minnesota. That's always good. Cameron Smith could be a starting linebacker for a long time, I think, as well. Very, very intriguing, exciting draft. At least in the first five picks there, I think Minnesota might have something in all five of them, and that would be good. After that, who knows? Maybe that tackle from Ilan could be very interesting. Marcus Epps, who freaking knows? Hopefully, I don't know, maybe we'll never see him play, who knows. Armand Watts, defensive tackle, it's crazy that we waited that long to get a defensive tackle, but, well, it kind of is what it is. And then the cornerback, finally took a cornerback in the seventh bleeping round, which is funny. Um, but the hope is that Holden Hill, again, with the, uh, you got this, this four-game suspension for him coming in with the uh, PEDs. And then Rock Thomas, the running back, who also got in trouble in the offseason. So, with that said... It's an intriguing draft. It has you feeling a little bit better. You're always excited. You're always hopeful. You want the best for these guys. Offensive line should be fine for a while, though. Again, interior line is good. Tackle position is kind of Riley Reef now, I guess. I mean, again, if Josh Klein falters and Drew Samaya is ready to go, you're, you're, you're good. And after that, you just pray to God that people stay healthy. Riley Reef again, stay healthy. And he's still got a lot of talent as well at least another year or two with Minnesota, and then you go from there. Hopefully Minnesota can uh, get another tackle in the draft next season. As Of course, late in the first round, you can still get a tackle that could end up being your long-term solution. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't, and other times it's just it's a good player that deserves to be taken higher, and it is what it is, but other teams wanted other positions. 
this and that. So you end up feeling pretty comfortable coming out with the offensive line. They finally addressed the O-line, which is great. That's awesome. And for the first time since 2011, you take a tight end in the second round, and it's probably that guy's replacement long-term, Irv Smith. So, okay. You come out feeling all right. With that, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and get to fan interaction, hear what all of you had to say about the draft and other moves. We'll also talk about the undrafted free agents a bit. Maybe I'll just throw that in now, actually. It's probably a better idea. I'll just throw the names out, see if there's any conversation on the page about them. Quarterback Jake Browning out of Washington was signed. Tight end Brandon Dillon out of Marion was signed. Defensive back Micah Abernathy. Micah Abernathy out of Tennessee. Offensive guard John Kinoy, Kinoy out of Western Michigan. Wide receiver Davion Davis. Davion Davis, interesting, out of Sam Houston State. That was complicated. Quarterback Sean McGuire. Sean McGuire out of Western Illinois. <laughs> Defensive end Arnie St. Amour. Ooh, I like that one. Out of Georgia Tech. Offensive line, this is even better. Tiano Pupungatoa. Pupungatoa. I think I got it. South Dakota State. South Dakota State. <laughs> Kyle Buss. That was a little easier. Wide receiver out of Connecticut. Okay. Wide receiver Alexander Hollins out of Eastern Illinois. Defensive tackle Tito Odenigbo, who, of course, is the brother of the Minnesota Viking lineman as well. So cool. The younger brother there. you got a couple of brothers here. Odenigbo, also with Minnesota. <laughs> Interesting addition there out of Miami. Running back Kari... Uh, blazing game out of Vanderbilt. And the very last one, Marshawn Diggs. Marshawn Diggs. Hmm. Safety out of Alabama, Birmingham. Marshawn Diggs. Now, who does that sound like? That's right. Younger brother of Stefan Diggs. So, okay. couple brothers coming in. Odenigbo and Diggs with their younger brothers on board. Tito, the defensive tackle, and safety, Marshawn Diggs. Pretty cool. So, interesting acquisitions. We'll see what happens with those two guys. And, of course... Jake Browning will compete with uh, Sean Mannion and Kyle Sloter, al- along with uh, Sean McGuire out of Western Illinois. Jake Browning, we'll have to wait and see there. Of course, 16 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, not a whole lot of exciting numbers there for a pretty good Washington team. And, well, that's just kind of how that goes. In Western Illinois, it kind of is what it is, but you never know. Sean McGuire, you just never bleep and know. You could at least be a backup quarterback someday. Who knows? Um... Most of the time, they don't make it, blah, 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 blah. But sometimes things work out wonderfully. Sometimes they do. Uh, John Randall wasn't even drafted. So crazy stuff happens. Hall of Fame defensive tackle, yes. Three technique guy. He was one of the greatest that ever lived. Uh, loved him so much, and I think we all did. Uh, again, Adam Thielen, wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. Marshawn takes. We'll see what happens. I, I hope he makes it. So I mean, I, I hope he makes it. That'd be cool. And who knows? Maybe Odin Nigbo will be better than his brother. Who knows? Because I haven't had a whole lot of success there from the uh, current Minnesota Odenigbo. So we'll just wait to see with that. Again, we'll take a quick break, get to fan interaction after this. That was a bit of a mouthful. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two in the second and final segment of this particular episode. Fan interaction segment. Going to get to Twitter and Facebook real quick. Going to 
backtrack a tiny bit. I just want to look at the running back situation. Remember how I talked about Mr. Holyfield and Bryce Love. Elijah Holyfield from Georgia. He didn't even get drafted. Can you believe that? So I was talking about picking him up in the mid to late rounds. Didn't even get drafted. Ultimately signs with the Carolina Panthers. So Will Greer and Elijah Holyfield going to the Panthers. We'll see what happens there. Bryce Love, another guy I mentioned, of course. He's going to miss a lot of time. Obviously very talented guy. Had an ACL injury. Out of Stanford, smart, intelligent guy. He's going to wind up with the Washington Redskins, where he might be the running back of the future behind uh, Adrian Peterson. We'll see what happens there. And a guy I gushed about in the last episode was Mr. Trevon Williams, believe it or not. Actually ranked slightly lower than Alexander Madison, which is kind of interesting when you sit down and think about that. Texas A&M, Trevon Williams, I just gushed about him. Sixth round, pick nine. So that just tells you how much I know. (laughs) But it also says how much some of these rankings mean. Ah, It it is what it is. And, of course, I'm happy with the Alexander Madison move. Uh, I think Trevon Williams has more home run ability. That's the one thing. But, of course, there's always the bust potential, whereas uh, Madison could be more of a sure thing type of guy who's going to get the yardage because he's going to move forward. The object is to move forward, not backwards, not sideways, forward. So it just kind of is what it is. At the end of the day. So let's jump to Twitter. want to thank uh, Vince Germano out of Australia, Malcolm McSween out of the southern part of California, and Tanae Brown out of New Zealand. So all over the map <laughs> for the, with the retweets. Those of you in Minnesota that could retweet this show, shame on you. Just shame on you. <laughs> and it's okay. I'm just kidding. There's a good number of you in, uh, on Facebook and everything. But no, thank you guys so much. I mean, I can't thank you enough. Vince Germano, Tanae Brown, and of course Malcolm McSween, Triple Mafia Hall of Famer. He's got that brand new shiny plaque. (laughs) Be a part of things. Thank you again, Malcolm. Long time listener, long time follower of this show. Can't thank you enough for that. Uh, It was also liked by Gerald String and Malcolm McSween. So thank you guys very much. I think there was one more that I'm missing. Nope. Uh, Who's this? Nope. That's, that's, That's exactly right. Twitter was quiet. And somebody that's been my uh, missing in action, Dave Martin, Mad Martin, where are you, brother? Where are you? It's been eternity. The whole draft happened, never heard from him, but it it is what it is, you know, free agency pretty much. Well, it'd be cool to hear from him uh, voice-wise, Twitter, whatever it is. Hope all is well, and the guy has been inducted into the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame, and I never heard from him. So, hope he hasn't uh, ran away and uh, told uh, us to go screw ourselves, but I guess I don't think that's what's happening. I'm just teasing, but uh, hopefully that's not the case. Uh, at Purple Mafia Show is the Twitter account at Purple Mafia Show. So again, look that up and give that a follow and interact with me at any time. I'm I I, I don't bite, okay? I don't bite. I'm not like sitting here saying, "Oh, nobody likes me." No, I'm sure some somebody likes me a little bit, and if nobody does, that's their choice. <laughs> the most recent post, or at least the post of the most recent episode, Purple Mafia episode two ninety one draft preview. 2019. This will be the draft review uh, 2019. Posted on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show. And of course, a quick shout out to MN Vikings Haven, MN Vikings Haven, Trevor Wicker, and kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on that page. Great guy in the uh, in the uh, more rural part of Minnesota, a little north of here. <clears throat> Love to get away from the city and all the BS in the city areas which I don't blame him. I'm in Golden Valley, Minnesota, so I'm not in the actual urban part of the city, but, you know, yeah, close enough. 
Uh, <clears throat> but thanks again, Trevor Wicker, and nice page for any type of Viking conversation and in-game threads and such. And again, Purple Mafia Show, facebook.com forward slash Purple Mafia Show is the official Facebook page for this particular show. Sebastian Barton, upon the uh, release of this one says he couldn't says couldn't call me question mark question mark lol exclamation point and I apologize I should have got him on and uh, again I get caught up <clears throat> crazy schedule and it's like I want to record at a certain time and I don't know how, it's really tough for me to get guests on the show because I don't know when you're going to be available and all that but sometimes you know any of you out there that have a ton of things to say and want to get on the show. Audio submission route. Audio submission route. You know what? Sebastian Barton, you've got the green light. In case you're listening right now, you have the green light to do 20 freaking minutes if you want to. Like most people, I would say five minutes. Sebastian Barton's got the green light to do 20 minutes. 20 minutes if he wants to uh, <clears throat> with the audio submission. And the way to do that is, well, you use your smart device or your computer, whatever it is, your computer, your laptop with editing software, microphone, whatever it is. Obviously, you record it, and then when you're done, you save it and email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com. Paladinolive at yahoo.com. The email address will be in the show description. I'll probably mention it again as we end it. But that's how you do the audio submission, and there's no limit to it. Where, of course, the phone line, which I'll mention much later, does have a limit because it's a, uh, it's a, it's a voicemail. Where audio submission, there is no limit. So if you have a lot to say, Gerald String, uh, Mad Martin, whoever it is, there's really no limit. I don't really necessarily want people to send me like an hour show or anything, but who knows if the Vikings ever win the Super Bowl. I, it's like we're talking unlimited here. We're talking Verizon and dropping the microphone and saying it's unlimited. Boom. That's when it won't matter. As long as you don't expect me to comment on every little thing you say, because that would be kind of crazy. I would just say the floor is yours and say thank you very much. And that was awesome. That's basically what I would say. <laughs> so again, my, my bad, Sebastian, but... Anytime, Sebastian, the green light is there for you to do an audio submission. And I mean anytime whatsoever. If it's July 1st, if it's January 1st, whatever day it is, anytime, it is wide open for you. And of course, the Purple Press Box podcast, massive shout out to you. Sebastian Barton looking to get the wheels turning again with that one. Check that out. It'll probably be on iTunes, maybe Spreaker, all that. But just look it up if you have to Google it. And it's going to get the wheels turning very soon. Nice new logo, all that good stuff. Sebastian Barton, ready to rock and roll. He is out of uh, a bit south of here. I believe he's in Mankato, but he's moved so much, I can't even remember. He might be back in, like, uh, Egan or something, for all I know. I can't remember. He's moved so many times. New Alm, he's even lived in Seattle for a time. Pretty wild stuff. Uh, let's 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 check it out. Let's see, where where is he now? Yeah, uh, no idea. <laughs> interesting posts. Very interesting posts, and I have no problem with <laughs> Yes, he's in Mankato. Okay, now it says Invergrove Heights. Oh, for crying out loud. Where are, are, are you in Invergrove Heights? Yes. He's from Invergrove Heights, and now he lives in Mankato. Got it. Okay, and of course, Mankato has left... Uh, well, obviously, they're no longer hosting the uh, training camp. The Vikings have moved to Egan. So that's kind of what that is. <sighs> uh, well, you know, I mean, teams move. Even teams move once every 50 years or so. <laughs> yeah, once every 50 years. And me, I moved like a tiny bit, but not nearly as much as uh, young Sebastian Barton. Let's move on. Uh, Gerald String out of Nebraska says, Sweet, can't wait for Monday. 
to rock the latest from the number one Vikings podcast on the planet. And I can't thank you enough, Gerald. That is awesome. Gerald String out of Nebraska and a Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. We will continue. Adam Thielen had agreed to a four-year, $64 million contract as of April 12th. And I probably could have mentioned that in the first segment, but this is a draft show. And yes, I mean, I'm glad to have him in the fold for long term here. Four-year, $64 million extension. Very nice to have him in the fold long term. Lots of likes. A little bit of convo. Dave Hickey out of Iowa. Purple Mafia Hall of Famer says best Viking news so far. Leland Albertson also out of Iowa. And I do believe he was one of the star people this year, which is awesome. One of the final star uh, winners this year. He says lots of money for the cap, but he deserves it. Scold, scold me if you want. <laughs> that was funny. But I think he is better than Diggs. Whoa, interesting. That's an interesting debate. That's a very interesting debate. Uh, Brett McCarthy out of South Dakota says, awesome. And William Carr says, trade him. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, Trade him, huh? Well, um, not right now. Maybe someday, but not right now. <laughs> of course, we want to trade everybody because the cap space is too much, right? Like Anthony Barr or something. Well, that's not happening at this moment. That was an interesting, uh, interesting one there. Better than Diggs. Um, <clears throat> in some ways, yes. He's certainly more consistent, and he doesn't get hurt that much. But then again, then even even his consistency kind of got into question a tiny bit. But that's because the team was geared on him so much after reaching 100 yards plus eight consecutive games, which tied the all-time NFL record. Not to start out the season, the all-time NFL record. Is crickets anywhere? Crickets? Yeah, the all-time NFL record. That's pretty remarkable. It's like, I'm as in crickets, as in there's nobody else in the territory. Just uh, Calvin Johnson. That's it. Pretty amazing. Uh, and so, I mean, it's not the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It really isn't. And I would never call you dumb because you have a great football mind, Leland. So <laughs> that's why I love having you on this show in any form possible. If it's text, if it's audio submission, whatever it is, great to have you on board one way or another. But... Um, Stephon Diggs, I think maybe he's a little more explosive, a little more excited and su- exciting and such, but that's about it. They're both great, great players, and I'm happy to have both of them. I don't want to lose any. Both of them have been extended long-term, so great news there. As for the wide receiver position after that, I don't want to, re- I don't want to have to count on Mr. Treadwell. I, I don't want to, but I guess they have big plans for him. We'll find out what those big plans are, and maybe hopefully it involves actually making a catch and stuff. Leland Albertson continues on a different one, and that was the Vikings had signed former Bronco wide receiver Jordan Taylor. So the young man, number 87, from the Denver Broncos. Not a whole lot of sample size from the young man. I'll go over a couple other transactions super quick. Again, Holden Hill as of uh, April 5th. There, I believe the last show had already been recorded by then. Um, suspended, or no, had not been. I mean, yeah, had been recorded since then. Suspended four games for the PEDs. Carter Schultz brought in. One-year contract from Carolina. That could be a uh, more of a tryout type of guy. Greer Martini. Martini. One-year contract from Green Bay. Three-year contract for Jordan Martin. Three-year contract. A safety for Jordan Martin. So that's an interesting one. <clears throat> Three years. Safety. Uh, 2021. This one's kind of slipping through. Why, why is it three years, though? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know if this is some kind of mistake or what. Because he's never played a moment. But uh, we'll we'll see, I guess. That's an interesting move there. Jalen Myrick 
As of uh, April uh, 11th was cut, unfortunately. Adam Thielen, again, there's your uh, extension through 2023. Anthony Harris, he's signed for just one more year, unfortunately. Hopefully, you, you wish there could be more, but it's one year for now. One year also for Mr. Jordan Taylor. Rashad Hill also resigned. One year deal and Sean Mannion. And then Brian Robison on the 24th of April, very recently, signed a one day contract to retire as a Minnesota Viking. So that's good. As for Jordan Taylor, <clears throat> is he third receiver potential? I don't know about that, but um, he's an undrafted wide receiver. He played 16 games in 2016. He missed all of last season with injury, unfortunately, so that sucks. Um, he made 16 catches on 25 targets in 2016, caught two touchdowns, uh, 209 yards, and in uh, 2017, that must be when the injury took place, 10 games, 13 catches, 142 yards, zero touchdowns. So extremely small sample size, but it's like a flyer. Let's give him a shot. Kind of like the long hair, all that good stuff. February 18th, 20. No, February 18th, 20. Uh, 1992. Uh, six foot five, Jordan Taylor. So we'll see. He came out of Rice. So we'll see what happens for Jordan Taylor. I can't remember if there was any posts. No, yeah, a couple. Leland Albertson says he's coming off an IR season. Roll the dice for, for the receiver from Rice, right? <laughs> Roll the dice. Yep. Yeah, I mean, what, what the hell? <clears throat> Dave Hickey says, I like this. Hopefully he can help the team, and he, and this puts an end to the treadwell failure. Not BB, though. He is the next Wes Welker or Amadola. <clears throat> Maybe he is, and that would be great. I hope uh, Mr. BB is able to come back healthy. He's a guy who can't seem to stay healthy at times. It's like he, he just... He blinks, and then there's another little hangnail or something wrong. So that's where the frustration comes in. Minnesota Vikings 2019 schedule was released. Preseason starts on August 9th against the Saints in New Orleans. Seattle Sea Chickens and Arizona Cardinals visit uh, U.S. Bank Stadium with the Kyler Murray starting at quarterback in the third game of the preseason. Ah, uh, yes, Arizona Cardinals, third game of the preseason. Hmm, that sounds familiar from some kind of thing you might find on YouTube from 06. Uh, certain... Uh, God rest his soul, uh, late great uh, coach getting pissed off after a Bears game. Hmm. I wonder if any of you might have an idea what that might be. But uh, <laughs> that was a... Uh, uh, but no, that'll be cool to see Kyler Murray. Of course, again, Josh Rosen no longer a member of the Arizona Cardinals. Off to the Miami Dolphins. And then the fourth game of the preseason, the uh, game where guys fight for their NFL lives. They visit the Buffalo Bills, do the Vikings on the 29th of August, which is a Thursday. <clears throat> Hopefully there's a lot of nooners, and it sure looks like there are. I love noon games. I love noon games. 325, not so much. 720, hate them. But it is what it is. I mean, it is what it is. At this moment, the Minnesota Vikings will have four. Uh, four. No, five. Golly. Nope. It's, it is five. Five 720 type games. Ugh. Ugh. Well, it is what it is, eh? Okay, well, Sunday... Should I go over the record? I, I mean, it's basically, you know what, I, I tend to do this almost every year, like 10 and 5, 20 and, uh, excuse me, 9 and 7 to uh, 11 and 5, so I basically come up with 10 and 6 at the end of the day. Minnesota hosts the Falcons on the September the 8th, a nooner, visit the Packers, hopefully the kicker makes the kick and we don't have to get a freaking tie, host the uh, Oakland Raiders on the 22nd, on the 29th, Minnesota heads to Chicago, that'll be a toughie, that's 325 afternoon game on CBS. October 6th, Sunday, Nooner 
hosting or no visiting the Giants. Hmm, Pat Shermer. Philadelphia Eagles come to uh, Minnesota for the first time in quite a while on October the 13th. A nooner at Detroit. A nooner the next week on Fox Thursday. Here's your first 720. October 24, a Thursday game. The Washington Redskins come to town with Case Keenum. So that'll be cool as long as he's healthy and all that. And it's not quite Hoskins' time to shine. Minnesota heads to Kansas City. A nooner. Oof. Sunday the 3rd of November. Yeah, I don't know about that. Vikings never win there, and they're, they're kind of good right now, just a little bit. And they also added Clark as well, like the last week before the draft here. 720 Sunday night game at Dallas. Uh, I hope the Vikings win that one. That'll be a tough one, NBC. NBC games are fun, but mm, success rate not so good historically. The Brancos come to town nooner on the 17th of November. Bye week on the 24th, so right around Thanksgiving time, probably right after Thanksgiving is the bye week. i got to think that is that week, yes, <laughs> uh, traditionally. So right when I'd be more comfortable, able to relax and record, here here comes the bye week. But could have used that during the fall cleanup season, like a week or two earlier. Ah, you suck, NFL. But it is what it is. <clears throat> Monday night game. Here's your Monday night game. I guess we have two of them this year. 720 against Seattle. Yuck. In Seattle. Yuck. Let's just say that again. Yuck. Yeah, yuck. It never works out. It just never does. So, I mean, there's a couple games. You just pull out the red marker, and that's it. I mean, and if the Vikings win, freaking sweet. But traditionally, you're just going to pull out the red marker for a couple of things because we just never win there. So, sorry, but it is what it is. Detroit Lions come to town. You pull out the green marker for that one, I would hope. Uh, a nooner. And another one which has got red marker all over it at the Los Angeles Chargers, 720 on NBC. Yuck. December 15th to uh, Christmas Eve Eve. The Vikings host the Packers. Hopefully we get the green marker for that one. That's another Monday night game. And wrap up the regular season for the 99,000th time against the Bears in U.S. Bank Stadium or <clears throat> the Metrodome, whatever, whichever stadium you want to say. The Vikings usually tend to host the Bears in the final game of the season at home. It's been a tradition, it seems like, and it continues again. So, <clears throat> no Thanksgiving game for the Minnesota Vikings this year, which is okay. Sometimes that's good. I don't have to get pissed off or distracted while I'm trying to relax, that type of thing. You know, one of those things. And, well, I am I have nothing against doing a show on Thanksgiving, but if it's the next day, that's fine, too. So, again, right now, a 10 and 6, this and that. That's kind of where I come in with that one. Um, interesting schedule, obviously. Some tough games. There's always going to be a couple of red marker games because 16 and 0 is, well, impossible unless you're extremely lucky. Um, so, I, I, I don't know, man. There's always going to be some red marker games. The Oaktown Raiders... Yeah, that should be a win. Weird management, weird situation going on there. Let's look at the draft uh, thread here, if humanly possible. Hopefully some of you commented on it and it wasn't just me talking to myself. That'd be nice. Uh, Jonah Williams, I can't believe he went 11th, by the way. I was saying how that dream has died. Leland Albertson says, I was surprised to see Josh Allen fall to 7th and Daniel Jones go 6th. Pretty weird, wasn't it? He went 6th overall. Pretty weird. Leland continues, says, my thoughts on the draft... Okay, some, yeah, it, it does this backwards. I don't know why this thing does this. I, I want to go to the beginning and get caught up. Okay, Eric Mustard, that's when the Minnesota Vikings took uh, Mr. Bradbury. Eric Mustard out of South Dakota says, O-line. Yes, sir. Gerald String, Nebraska says, I absolutely love our pick. That's who I took in my mock. Yeah, I couldn't believe they actually took him. 
Now I'll move Elfline to guard. <laughs> and we just got better at two positions. His combine was off the charts. Just didn't get a lot of hype. And glad we got him. And that's uh, Gerald Spring is forever going to be tied to. Did I mention we need some guards? <laughs> I need to save that soundbite. I got to get that call. Dig it up out of the archive. Oh, you know, I was going to do that before the show, but I forgot. Oh, I got to I gotta dig that up. Because it's fun. And I'm sure Gerald will get a kick out of that. Did I mention we need some guards? Well, we got them. <laughs> and we got another one, which is great. Um, some, is it Samaya, Sumaya, whatever. But let's say Sa Samaya. Yep, Drew Samaya. Leland continues, says... I think I think he should be a solid pick. Cousins should get some protection. Maybe a run game can uh, conform from it. We shall see. I, I think so, too. I think the run game is going to be awesome this year with the way things are setting up. The interior line and all that. And, and we got depth and we got strength. And again, remember, we, we brought in uh, Dozier also. Uh, D squared, we could say, from the Jets. So that's more depth at the guard position. So, and Brett Jones, and some of these other guys, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> Isadora, we could go on all day with that. Somebody might get cut out of that group, and don't be surprised if it happens. It ain't going to be uh, Drew Samaya, though. I'd be beyond stunned and hurt. I, I, I would literally be aching if Samaya got cut. That would suck. I mean, can you imagine how disappointing that would be? <sighs> Gerald, Strings, Gerald Strings says, I was hoping for Hawkinson to the Broncos. After Jacksonville passed, I thought we had a chance to get him in Denver. He's going to be a great player. And, yeah, Detroit of all teams, too. That's kind of weird. But, well, <clears throat> it is what it is. Some people thought he was going to wind up with Green Bay also if uh, Detroit passed on him. A lot of mocks did have Hawkinson going to the Broncos, but I do believe they also they did wind up with uh, Noah Fant, though, right? And then their quarterback of the future and, and <clears throat> Dalton Reisner. So, Gerald's probably smiling pretty good for his uh, second team there. Those first three picks look awfully good. Again, Fant, Noah Fant, more explosive, not as much of a blocker, where Hawkinson's kind of Mr. Everything. Uh, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, and Dalton Reisner. That's pretty good for the Denver Broncos. They might be heading back to the postseason again pretty soon if all uh, works out there. We'll see. Weird quarterback situation until hopefully Drew Locke locks it in, ultimately. <clears throat> yes, forgive the dorky pun there. Uh, Sebastian Barton says, this draft is the least amount of scouting and information gathering I've done, but it's one of the more exciting drafts because of the depth. And yes, I like this draft very much. I did scouting, but I, again, I didn't kill myself as much. I think last year I did more, particularly into the skilled positions last year. I went through it. There's this running back, and this running back, and this guy could be a great kick returner, and we took none of them. And it was ridiculous. And of course, we, we took a running back. He just wasn't one of the guys I, I targeted, and I feel bad about it because it turns out Madison is Probably about what I was looking for. Again, not as much of a home run threat. Those guys are more fun and more interesting. But I was looking for a guy to help replace Latavius Murray. And I think uh, Madison can do that. I think so. Uh, Dave Hickey wraps up this section. Nope, 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 not yet. A couple more. Oh, yeah, there's a bit more here. Dave Hickey says, congrats on the Bradbury pick. We are going to be an athletic O-line. Congrats to Noah Fant also. Go Hawks. And again, again, that would be the... Uh, Iowa Hawkeyes, again, providing two epic uh, first-round <laughs> tight ends to the National Football League this year. Pretty cool. Josh Mayer Henry out of Colorado says, uh, says about time we go O-line in the first round, and this guy looks good. Leland uh, responds as agreed. It's been since 1998 for a lineman pick. Yeah, I mean, 1988. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's been an eternity. It, it really has. Uh, in the first round, 
other than again Matt Khalil, who was lousy. So, and I do believe he means interior lineman pick. Yes, that's what he means. Interior lineman, and that was Randall McDaniel, who was a great player. Obviously, left guard for Minnesota for over a decade, and Hall of Famer and all that. Ultimately, wound up with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the very end of his career and just missed the Super Bowl championship. Uh, it just aches. My, my heart aches for him and Jeff Christie, how both of them did not end up getting the Super Bowl with Tampa. They basically, like, ran, uh, retired, right, the year before. And it seems to always end up that way, doesn't it? My heart aches for those guys, especially Randall McDaniel. Um, but, yeah, that's what Leland meant. Not not alignment, but interior lineman pick. 1988, 31 years ago, baby. Leland continues uh, different on this a uh, couple times here in the 30s. It's kind of iffy on that tight end for number two. That would be Irv Smith. Uh, he will need some development. And... I see something going on here. What is, looks like he says, uh, same Sebastian Barton. See who trades up and down. This might get interesting. And the Vikings traded down quite a bit. And I was talking about, oh, Dave Vicky said, I wanted Jawan Taylor or Andre Dillard, then Bradbury. So we had Bradbury third as the draft was evolving, literally right before our eyes is there was going to be a choice here. It wasn't going to be like, you know, like last year, it was James Daniels had to be the guy if you were going to take a lineman. And we didn't. And, well, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Turns out we're getting a little bit thinner at the corner position, and uh, Xavier Rhodes is becoming more and more banged up over his career. Dave Hickey said, yep, he said he wanted them. And I told uh, Dave Hickey that I'm shocked how far Taylor has fallen. I don't get it. Wish we could trade and get him. And the talk was, again, he's more one-dimensional, just, just right tackle. That's it. And a p possible knee problem. Who knows if it's a bunch of minutiae that helps players fall. You never know. I mean, certain GM people might be throwing out some minutiae to cause that to happen. Who knows? Uh, Dave Hickey says grading draft picks would be hard to do, especially in later rounds. God, it's hard. Yes, with a lot of players playing subpar competition. Yep. But please tell me why we would waste a pick on a long stepper. <laughs> When there were players that graded out as A or B talent, and and we were given an F for picking up a long snapper, that is really funny. We were giving an F. We were given an F for that. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, there were four four picks left remaining in the draft. I don't know. It sounds like he's an outstanding long snapper, and at least we didn't trade up to get him like uh, Daniel Carlson last year. So. I don't know. I mean, that Daniel Carlson pick, I think, a bit more questionable than this one. Yes, it's freaking weird. It's weird. And you're thinking, just sign a guy off the street, you know, and maybe sign this guy right after the freaking draft. But I I don't know. I mean, it's 250th overall out of 254. So, uh, it, I don't know. I guess it's okay. That type of thing. I guess it's okay. Uh, Dave Hickey continues a different... Uh, Part of this thread, he says, I hate to see Hawkinson on any other team but the Vikes. I'm just glad it's not Green Bay. Congrats anyway, TJ. Go Hawkeyes. And off to the, the Lions he went. Unfortunately, Leland says, I saw Noah Fant was there at 18. I thought maybe. and It didn't happen. Eric Mostard continues, says, by pick six, quarterback, two quarterbacks, three defensive line, and one linebacker gone. Yep. Unless there's a running offensive lineman or a great defensive player still on the board, I wonder if Spielman will trade for later picks. As that continued, and I was wrong, but delightfully so, he says. And Leland, a big one here. 
Leland is going for the gold. He sure is. He says, uh, my thoughts on the draft on the draft this year. I thought there was a lot of talent we passed on, being that the draft steamed really deep this year. No sexy picks, but solid ones for sure. We are providing Cousins with some desperately needed pass protection. A new center, a guard, a Drew Samaya, and tackle an Elon tackle. Uh, let's just say let's just say Udo, because the rest of it's a little hard. Udo O, okay? Udo O. Uh, pass blocker, yep. Looks like he can be up to snuff also. Looks like them and Ota's in 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 Ota oh OTAs duh in OTAs and get this line going. Also a few new targets for Cousins, a very talented tight end, and a couple of late round wide receivers. Maybe Treadwell will be gone? Question mark. Right. <laughs> he was also so frustrating to watch. So much talent, so so much wasted talent. These are just a few. That stood out to me. Oh, wait. We drafted a long snapper. Great choice of a pick, Skull Brothers. So, yep, entertaining there and a bit debatable. Back and forth between certain people who want him and don't want him with the long snapper. But, uh, well, nice to have, I suppose. There's one where I was saying pretty cool, Irv Smith. Eric Mustard says uh, improved blocking from tight end Irv Smith has expanded his game. Uh, Eric Mustard, yep, says key point. The, that worth that work ethic has been especially evident in the weight room, where Smith can now bench 450 pounds, along, excuse me, allowing, allowing the smaller tight end to better handle one-on-one -on -one blocking assignments. Whew, 400 oh. <laughs> blocking assignments, even the SEC's best pass rushers. In short, we have another tight end that can block 450 pounds. Damn, that's pretty hardcore. You, you, that's a lot. Like, 300 is one thing. And I know a lot of these guys are crazy strong. That's what I mean, so, some of them, like uh, Elijah Holyfield was, like, benching, what, like, 32 times or something like that. That's the 225 that they do. That, I mean, 225 is, is pretty heavy. But 350, whew, that's pretty pretty intense stuff. So, got to like what that uh, adds up to. So, that's the end of that uh, NFL draft thread. And one more little, a uh, couple more little thing. Spielman, the video, the press conference was saying Bradbury was the perfect fit, basically. And I was saying to me, Bradbury was an easy choice, especially with Pat Elfline in the fold. Bradbury is a better center than Chris Lidstrom, will be a guard in my opinion, and the Falcons had already taken him anyway. The Vikings interior line is in very good shape now, plus we have two legitimate starting centers in the fold. Should someone get banged up, just shuffle Elfline back to center, this and that. But it sounds like Bradbury is actually the more durable of the two, but just saying, you know, you just don't know. One way or another, right? It's nice to have. And even Josh Klein can play uh, center as well. <sighs> Today Brown, out of New Zealand, says, let's go Vikes. Skull. <sighs> Dave Hickey says, I'm really happy with the Vikings draft. They went after needs, and based on interviews and highlight films, they got some very talented players. Irv Smith is the third best tight end after my Iowa boys went in round one. Great pick. And there's a couple more comments. Gerald String says, I agree with Dave Hickey. I think the Vikings are a little disappointed with Rudolph's inconsistent production as a receiver and not a great run blocker. Heard he might be on the trading block. Irvin has great skills both as a receiver and a blocker. Sim wants to run the ball, and blocking tight ends can help us out with that. Love our draft so far. Gerald continues, says, Did we really waste a draft pick on a long snapper? LOL. William Carr wraps up this thread saying, Pack that O-line and block this year, Spielboy. Yep, gotta like that. 
And, yep, the report of Jake Browning signing with the Vikings. No comments. Just a couple of shares, uh, just a share or two and some likes. And that would wrap up the Facebook section. So, there you go. <clears throat> with that said, I mean, that's your NFL draft. That's your NFL draft review, or at least for the Minnesota Vikings and a couple other conversations back and forth with other players going to certain teams and stuff. Hawkinson and all that. Green Bay Packers, I think, had a pretty good draft. The Bears, it was quiet for a little while, but they added some more receivers and some other skilled players. It's going to be a very interesting year moving forward <clears throat> with the Vikings and uh, all that. Uh, interesting <clears throat> situations coming up here. And it's nice to know that we have a very uh, set interior line. Of course, it's not a, it's not set in stone. Like Everything's perfect and it's going to be the best O-line ever. But it should be pretty good. Chicago Bears only had five picks. Riley Ridley, though, a fairly interesting one out of Georgia. David Montgomery running back out of Iowa State. So that's another interesting one. Duke Shelley, cornerback to Kansas State in the sixth round. Kareth White and Stephen Denmark, running back and cornerback, respectively, in the seventh round. I'm just going to screw around looking at some of the Central Division uh, players here. I just called it the Central Division, the North Division, NFC North. Central Division still stuck in the past. DJ Hawkinson in the eighth, uh, eighth overall pick to Detroit. Jahlil Tunval, linebacker. Will Harris, safety. That's an interesting one. Boston College in the third round. Austin Bryant, defensive end from Clemson. Omani Aurelia, <laughs> the cornerback in the fifth round. Travis Fulgham, wide receiver from Old Dominion. Ty Johnson, running back in the sixth round from Maryland. Isaac Nauta. Tight end in the seventh round. <clears throat> we know how those turn out usually, but yeah, okay, we'll see. P.J. Johnson, defensive tackle in uh, the seventh round for Detroit. Let me wrap things up with the most loved team of all, the Green Bay Packers. We love that mean green, don't we? We just love that Georgia Tech logo, don't we? Rashawn Gary, it's just a Georgia. It's just Georgia Tech with green and yellow. That's all it is. That's all it is. It's not the Packers. They they stole it from Georgia Tech, right? No, it's just Georgia, by the way. It's not Georgia Tech. Poof, I think I'm losing it. Tired of looking at the Green Bay Packers and their damn logo. Rashawn Gary, 12th overall defensive end from Michigan. That's a good one. Darnell Savage, another good one. They're really working on that uh, in the secondary there. Darnell, Darnell Savage, safety from Maryland. 21st overall in the draft. Elgton Jenkins, though, center. Yeah, there you go. Behind Bradbury. 12th pick in the second round, 44th overall. Jace Sternberger, there's your tight end, who can catch more athletic, but isn't a good blocker at all, according to Dave Sinekin. No fourth rounder, one fifth rounder, Kingsley Kick, Kike, 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 I guess. Interesting. Defensive end from Texas A&M, as was Jace Sternberger. Toledo, Ohio, Toledo, cornerback Kadar Holman. And Dexter Williams running back from Notre Dame. There's an interesting move there, possibly in the sixth round, and Ty Summers, linebacker, wrapping up the uh, Green Bay Packers draft from Texas Christian. A couple of small draft boards here for most of these teams, <clears throat> especially Green Bay and Chicago, very small draft boards, but uh, I guess they're, they're just too good. They're just too good, so, you know, you know, especially the Bears, they're just too damn good now, so it's, not, it's nothing we can do. It's over. Kings of the North is Chicago, and we just gotta, we just gotta, like, uh, bow to the Bears. Nope. We don't have to. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see how all this turns out. Most of those late-round picks, some of them end up being something. A lot of them don't. So with that said, again, thank you guys so much for interacting in the draft. It felt quiet, but then the interaction picked up. It was, it's always quiet at the beginning because people maybe aren't thinking of the thread. Mark Carlson, I missed you this week. I hope all is going well. 
He's a well-traveled man the past year or two years or so. I believe he must have retired from the Postal Service. What a great guy. And, of course, the uh, the military years ago as well. Well-known, well uh, just love what, love what he's brought uh, to the service he's given this country. I believe in Iraq number one there back in uh, 1991 during the H.W. Bush years. Awesome guy from also from Iowa again, Purple Mafia Hall of Famer. And can't can't thank you enough, Mark Carlson. Again, hope all is going well. Probably just busy, and uh, you know, busy uh, doing his thing. You know, and that's what it is. Brent Jacobson as well. Uh, some kind of some back and forth conversation during the draft. And all God bless you as well. I uh, hope everything's going okay for all of you. <clears throat> hope this draft ends up panning out nicely for the Vikings. It looks like. At least the first four picks can end up being pretty valuable guys long-term. As for wide receiver, I don't know. We're set with two guys, the tight end, Irv Smith. It is what it is. I mean, I'm hoping I'm hoping and praying that it's uh, that he's he's ready to rock and roll. Uh, very good coaching staff. It's pretty cool to see Mike Zimmer kind of changing his tune a bit rather than just, you know, damn it anyway, we got to draft this cornerback or damn it anyway, we got to draft this defensive tackle, this and that. So... At least there's a sign that this team is definitely turning towards offense a little bit. And of course, you know, you don't want to ignore the defense. You don't want to go Dennis Green here when the Vikings had a historically good defense in the early 90s. And by the end of the 90s, it was like, who who are we going to stop? We had a ph- phenomenal offense. Partially you get lucky because a certain wide receiver from Marshall slips to you. That's nice and everything. And we have the balls to take him. But again, he also slipped. So it's not like we traded up and uh, got him that way. He slipped. So, <laughs> it is what it is. Sometimes there's some luck involved, too. Just like Bradbury coming to us, or possibly a Joan Taylor, blah, 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 blah. That's the joy of the draft. Watching history take place right before your eyes. Watching history literally happen before your eyes. That's what. That's the best part about the draft, because you're going to remember this day. You're going to remember the day that the Vikings took Garrett Bradbury, hopefully for a long time, because uh, the success he's going to bring to this team. Maybe, maybe one day this will be looked back on, and, and and you say this was the day the Vikings finally did it right, and now, <laughs> and now that's why you see a, a certain banner hanging in the rafters, and finally a little silver trophy in that trophy case that has been empty for so many years. That's what the draft is all about. Free agency is what it is, but the draft is the real source of building a championship. That's what it's all about, and that's where you hope this goes. Passing out the stars for this episode, it's got to be Leland. Leland has got to get the gold star for this episode, without a doubt. Uh, Dave Hickey, Gerald String are going to share the uh, the silver, and Eric Mostard is going to ring in the bronze. Can't thank you guys enough. Thank you for the conversation. Again, awesome. I mean, you guys are all legendary <laughs> to, to this show what you bring, the, the friendship, and of course, just the commentary. You don't have to agree with me. I don't have to agree with you, this and that. But generally speaking, we're all a big football family. And that's what Purple Mafia is all about. With that said, <clears throat> we'll take a, we'll take leave now for a little while. I'm sure I'll catch up. Maybe there'll be some news with OTAs, this and that. But other than that, it might be a hi- hiatus that lasts a month, two months max. Probably not two months, but... We'll see. It's always good to get caught up in May, June, July, this and that, just to kind of keep up with things. And hopefully <clears throat> there's no bad news this time. We don't want to find out about coaches uh, passing away and Sunday morning or any other morning whatsoever. We just don't want to hear about that or some other news that this guy got busted with this. He got busted 
doing this to somebody or got busted with this supplement. Let's just keep the freaking bad news somewhere else. Just out of here, out of Minnesota forever. That would be great. And at the, this time, Minnesota Vikings are on their way to something very special. With that said, I want to wish all of you a nice, wonderful spring. It's obnoxiously cooler the last day or two, but at least we got some work done finally. Yeah, at least some of the lawns are done. Yesterday was a very tough day outside, I gotta say, as the uh, fourth and fourth through seventh rounds were getting done, and I was keeping up with it as best I could, and then caught up with it when I got home after killing myself outside for several hours. Ugh. But with that said, again, wish all of you a nice, wonderful spring as we head into ultimately May coming up, the most beautiful month of the year in this part of the world. Just beautiful month of the year in this part of the world, the upper Midwest of the United States. Can't wait for May to come, and we're seeing the little greens uh, opening up now, just starting to open up, the little leaves kind of popping out now, as uh, the world's starting to green up a little bit now, finally, after a very, very long, harsh winter. Take care, everybody, and hope to hear from you soon, and don't forget to uh, send in those uh, <laughs> those audio submissions. I'll leave the phone line in the show description, 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. That's all there is to say. Talk to you soon.